Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I'm keeping this sucker wicked short, to the point. Because uh, wh what I'm going to share with you is not going to be revolutionary. It's not going to be something that you probably haven't heard before. But I'm feeling called to bring it up because of an experience I just had. So I want to share that. So um, the, the title for this episode, for this sucker is Be Kind, Be Kind, Be Kind. And it's kind of off of, that's a wicked short version of <laughs> a longer famous quote um, that has been attributed to anybody, to everybody from like the Buddha to some random dude to anonymous. But the heartbeat of it is this, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And I think that this is so incredibly true. And um, so let me tell you a little story. So I recently, um, by the time you guys hear this, it will be, it have, it'll have been a few weeks, but um, I just ended um, a two week long writing workshop that I was in with my, my, my beautiful friend and brilliant uh, writing mentor and teacher Andre Debus III. Uh, if you have not read his books, I always just say, please do yourself a favor, go out, <laughs> go out and gobble them up. Um, but Here's what I love. Here's what I love. And here's what's so interesting and fascinating about being a human, right? So I'm in this, it's online, of course, because of, of COVID. So we're not able to be in the room with each other. How originally this workshop was planned to be an in-person week-long workshop. And that's what originally I was signing up for. But then, of course, the whole world changed. And so now we're doing it online. Here's what I know about the ego, the ego mind. The ego mind loves to separate, dissect, label, judge, attack, make special, right? So if you've ever like walked into a place and it's even more interesting on like a Zoom call because normally in person, you can see somebody's whole body. You can see their face, their body language, you know, like kind of like what's going on with them like more than just from the, the, like the chest up, you can usually in person see like the whole package. So you have a much greater sense of how somebody is feeling, et cetera, based on what's happening in their body. On Zoom, it's even more interesting and bizarre because you can only kind of get like this talking headshot. So I think that there's a lot of information that you're kind of missing sometimes when we're not in the room with somebody. So reason why I'm saying this is so, you know, I'm in this workshop and it happens, it's called Stepping into the Mystery of You. Stepping into the Mystery of You. And it's a memoir writing workshop. And um, I've taken many, many workshops with Andre, um, 83 as I call him, but I continue to study with him because every time I, I do, I either, I, I either learn something new or something that he is 
told me or taught me before, like sinks even deeper into this thick, thick old head of mine, right? It becomes more embodied. So it becomes more like livable experience. I call it, it moves from the head down to the hat and then it can go out through my hands, right? So I really love this process. But here's what's fascinating about being in, uh, on a Zoom call with like uh, 18 people or 16 people uh, who are actually taking the workshop. So there was also Andre, the moderator. Um, but all you can look at, all you can see are these faces. And so immediately the ego goes into its routine of trying to label, trying to figure out. It's got its own little opinions, its own little thoughts. So you know that old saying where they say, don't judge a book by its cover. I love that because I think it's so true. Because I can tell you that I have met, I mean, I'm 52 now. I've met some people in my lifetime. And what we think immediately like if you just step into a room with somebody and just look at them without them speaking without them telling you you know how much money they make or where they live or what religion or non-religion that they're from or how they grew up or what sports they like or whatever like you know if you just stand in front of somebody the ego will step we, we are meaning makers so the ego will automatically start to assign opinions judgment stories like it will either maybe build somebody up, tear them down. It's almost never, it's almost never that we have neutral thoughts. There are really no neutral thoughts, <laughs> right? This is what I know to be true as a human. So here's what happens when you're in this kind of a workshop. And, and as a gateless writing instructor and facilitator, uh, it's one of the things I love. It's one of the things I love. I fucking, I just fucking love writers. First of all, let me just say that being in a room with other creatives is like my greatest joy, <laughs> you know, that and being around animals. But so here's the thing. So all of a sudden you're in this workshop with people who like a day ago or three days ago or two weeks ago, were total strangers. And especially in memoir, because in memoir, we are telling true life stories. Hopefully factually true, but definitely the work is to be emotionally true to fully embody, you know, the piece, to, to show up a thousand percent on the page, to let yourself really be seen. And so you end up, it's like this incredible metamorphosis or transformation, I think, that happens. I'm going to get to my point. Where you're sitting there and you're looking at somebody and you could be looking at them and you could be making... Um, stories in your mind or having ideas about them based on their age, their sex, uh, their clothes, right? Um, how they look at the camera or don't look at the camera, the way that they position their body, right? As much as we can see. And so you've got all these ideas and thoughts. You think you're so fucking smart, right? And, and what I love about storytelling is people's character, their wants, their needs, their hurts, their desires, like the marrow of their bones, right? Like you start to get to know people. And I love when I find out like sometimes that you're totally wrong about somebody or somebody completely surprises you. And here's the thing. We think we know people, right? I remember that age when I was younger, when I was a teenager, right? And you think you've and know everything. You think you're so wicked smart and you're not because you don't actually know shit yet. <laughs> and I think that's sometimes what writing does. You know, so many people who are writers, we write to discover what we really think and what we really feel. And, you know, Andre said this beautiful thing where he said, like journalists, 
right? Journalists ask the question, and he might have gotten this from Mike Nichols. I'm not sure, the director, but I just remember Andre saying it. So I hope I'm not mis misattributing it. But he says, journalists ask the question, what happened? Right? They want to know who, what, why, how. They want the facts, right? What happened? And what, what memoirists are trying to, to capture with that story is what was it like? What was it really like to be? And in my case, right, a 12-year-old girl who lost her mother, to be raped at 17, to be, um, to be black in America, like whatever the, whatever the thing is. And what you realize when you hear other people's stories is all of your assumptions, all of your judgments, all your stuff, it kind of like falls away because here the person is standing in front of you, sharing some of the most tender and vulnerable and powerful and beautiful parts of themselves. And you realize Every single person, and, and you, like, it's so funny, like, if I could show you the picture of the screenshot of the Zoom room, and I just showed you these beautiful people's faces, right? And there was everything. It was, like, from the, from, the, from the young moderator, from the main media workshop, all the way to the oldest person, right, in the group. And I'm purposefully not giving you any information about them because that's a sacred contract that we make as writers when we hold space is that we don't, sh we don't talk out of turn, right? We don't, we, what, happens, what happens in the writing Zoom room stays in the writing Zoom room. What happens in the workshop stays in the workshop. So I'm not giving you too many details about them and I'm not gonna tell you anything about their stories because they're not my stories to tell. But I will say this, when I meet people and I think everybody has a story to tell, I think everybody has multiple hundreds of stories that they could tell. And what they all reveal to me is that we have all had some hurt, some shame, some trauma, some tragedy, some loss, some betrayal, some, some dream that died, some dream that came true, right? And I just think, man, we're all just trying so hard. And we make assumptions about each other all the time. And you never know what somebody has going through, has gone through, what their reality is, what it was like to be them then and now. And I always just think like, man, you know, I, I remember um, David Kessler, a friend of mine. He's, he's a, a grief expert. If you know, you might have heard of David Kessler. He did a lot of work with uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. He is um, um, a well-known uh, author and teacher. Uh, and Lita in his own right in the grief movement. Um, and I remember I took a workshop with David once and, and he was talking about how um, he lost his mother when he was around the same age as me. He was either 12 or 13. And it was kind of these traumatic circumstances around like her death and the loss that he had. And one of the things that he said was, um, I'm paraphrasing, but it resonated so deeply with me. And what he said was losing his mother at that, that age he missed out on a lot of tenderness. He missed out on a lot of tenderness that he could have probably received if his mother had stayed alive. And I'm not saying all moms are like this, but certainly there is, there can be, I should say, a level of love and attention and kindness and compassion and mercy and grace and tenderness that moms can extend to their children. Again, I know there are exceptions. 
And when he said that, I thought about that, like, yeah, oh my God, me too, right? Like I missed out on a lot of tenderness. And it's also one of the reasons why that probably I had my dukes up so much. And when I say I missed out on tenderness, what I mean is the, being the receiver, being the receiver of that compassion and that kindness and being seen in a, in a particular way. Um, and because I was already such a tender kid and a sensitive kid, like I put my dukes up like hardcore, right? Like just really trying to protect myself against the world. And I just think to myself, there were people who used to meet me and make assumptions about me or had thoughts and ideas about me based on how I looked, how I dressed, how I sounded, my accent, my level, like where I came from, right? And they never knew. They could never know what it was like to be me and what I was going through. And, you know, today I'm wearing my, my new BU, my Boston, I'm proud Boston University alum over here. Um, and I'm wearing my sweatshirt and I'm thinking, you know, people, people are like, oh, you went to be you? And I just think like, oh my God, if you only knew what it was like for me at that age to be in this city like the, what, like, and that's, that whole story is going to be told in my memoir, the BU years, but um, that was an intense time for me. <laughs> and I just think like, man, there were so many times in my life when other people spoke to me in a particular way, not in a very kind way, right? Or they came for me or whatever. And I was just like, oh man, if they only knew what I was going through. And I think about this, it's what's made me, I think, I always say I'm not good at a lot of things, but I can't be, I'm really good at being able, especially maybe it's being a Libra too, that I really love justice and balance. And I love, I can see two points of view. It's often what makes me, uh, sometimes I can be indecisive about the simplest things like, oh, what should I eat, right? Because there's always like, I love having choices and options. But I think one of the things is, is I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to put myself in somebody else's shoes because I know that I don't know. Let me say that again. I'm, at this age, I realize that I don't know shit about a lot of things. And one thing that I know is that I, I do not know what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes until I can have a conversation with them and an intimate exchange with them and ask them and maybe they're able to tell me. And then maybe I can go like, oh yeah. But what if we just all moved around the world under the assumption that we have no idea what another person is going through? be kind, be kind, be kind. Like that is, if, if people were like um, an old teacher of mine who's dead, uh, Ken Wapnick, um, he's a, I always call him, he's a Course in Miracles genius. And I, I think one time he was asked the question, and again, I, I might be paraphrasing the story a little bit, but I believe it went down like this where he was asked the question and they said, Ken, with all the stuff you know about spirituality and um, mind training and um, A Course in Miracles and Jesus and like all these different things, you know, if you, if you were going to like, like boil it down to like one thing, like what would you say? And, and he's like, be kind, be kind, be kind. And I say, please be kind because we don't know, like especially right now. You know, if you haven't lost somebody, like I think I talked about this, I don't know where I said it, but recently I said something where I said, you never think that bad shit is gonna happen to you. And so you can't fully understand what it's like, right? To uh, have a murdered mother or to, to lose a child or to be raped or to lose, like your house burns down in a fire or like whatever, like whatever happens to you, right? 
we can't possibly know what it's like until we have a willingness to, to talk to other people in these things. So we make these assumptions about people. But I can tell you just from being in this workshop where 16 strangers came together into the room and told these unbelievable stories. And I don't mean unbelievable, like you can't believe them because they're false or fake. Like they're just unbelievable because you're like, oh my God, this is fascinating. And, and, or, oh my God, this is brutal. And oh my God, that moment where the guy says this to you or whatever, and you just feel it like a punch in the gut. And you just think like, oh my God, well, if I just saw this person standing on the street, I would never know that that was what they went through. So can we please move through the world? All of us, this is, this, remember, I always say I'm talking to myself when I do these podcasts. Can we please move through the world with a little more grace and mercy and tenderness, a little more kindness and compassion and allow room, allow room for people to be clumsy and very human. Um, you know, we all tend to kind of forget that we are extensions of the divine, that we're God's kids, that we're already innocent and whole and perfect. And we, we don't believe that. And so we kind of run around doing a lot of insane stuff. <laughs> you know, we have like spiritual amnesia and we forget ourselves. So what if we all could just kind of recognize, you know what? I don't know exactly what it is to be that person right now. I don't know exactly what it is. Can I cut them some slack? Can I extend a little grace? Can I just choose like, I'm like, kindness doesn't cost you anything. Kindness costs jack shit. It costs you nothing to be kind. Maybe a tiny bit of your ego's inflated pride. But here's the thing that I know I can tell you. I wish I could, I wish I could, I wish I could share all the stories that I got to listen to over the last two weeks. They were magnificent and beautiful and powerful. And they made me cry and they made me feel and they made me excited and celebrate. And I think when you just, if I just look at a person's face, I never would have known the majesty and the brilliance of them and what, where they had been in their life and what they had gone through and what they might be going through right now. And it takes balls, you guys. It takes, it takes some courage to be a memoirist, to write true stories. A lot of people think sometimes like, oh, it's a memoir. It's a me more, as Andre called me more. <laughs> and some people think it's narcissistic, but writers can't help it. We got, the, we got the calling, right? We got the ministry and the mission and the mandate. They were like tapped. They're like, boop. I always say this about my sweetie. It was like God leaned down and whispered, musician, <laughs> right? Tapped right on the forehead, tapped in the heart, musician, right? And those of us who are called to write, we can't help it where right is. And it takes a lot of courage to reveal ourselves. And I just thought like, you know, what if we just didn't, what if we, I say, I've said this so many times, I'm going to reiterate it here. What if we just chose to meet each other with curiosity and compassion instead of judgment and looking for the things that separate us? What if we stopped trying to be so special and instead tried to see that similar, same divine thread, the golden thread that, that runs through all of our hearts that connect to the same source. Like we are the sunbeams emanating out from the same sun. So I'm not going to really, it's not, this isn't about a lecture. I think it's more of like, it's an invitation. It's just like a gentle reminder to be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind to yourself, be kind to your 
family members, be, be kind to the animals, be kind to the planet, be kind to your coworkers, right? Be kind to, to everybody and everything that you meet. It's not an easy task in these very volatile and violent and devices, divisive times. But we need the people, um, we need the people who have the recognition that the only way that we're going to get through all of this <laughs> is together to step up their game and uh, be instruments of peace, right? And of course, in miracles, it says to teach us to demonstrate. So if we could just demonstrate more compassion and kindness towards each other, it will take us a long way. It is a beautiful thing. So this is a note to self too. And like I said, when you take a look around the people, whether you're driving in your car, you're in the line at the grocery store, you're laying in bed next to somebody you've lived with for 30 years, can we please extend more patience, just more tenderness? Remember that song, tenderness, where it, you guys don't want me singing it, but I'm just, I think it was um, General Public saying that song. I love that song, right? So this is an invitation from my heart to yours. Be kind to yourself too. Be kind to yourself too. So I love you guys. I hope this was helpful in some way. People will surprise you if you give them an opportunity. Um, and they won't share unless they feel safe. They won't share and be vulnerable or be intimate unless they feel safe. So if you can create that space for people to be seen and heard and for you to come to know them, they will shock and surprise you of, of what people's stories are and what they've been through. And when they say, you know, everybody be kind because everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about, it's my way of also saying, be kind because everybody's got a story. And if you heard that story, I always say, it's almost impossible to know somebody's story and to not, to not feel for them or come to love them. And that's what storytelling does for me. It, it causes me to fall in love with people. And I don't mean love like, oh, sex, like I want to jump into bed with people, but I mean my heart expands. My heart expands and my knowledge of seeing myself in others and in their stories, uh, it just exponentially grows. So that's, that's the, the, the short of it today. <laughs> be kind, be kind, be kind. I love you guys. Wherever you go, wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. 
Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.